Hey everyone, this podcast is part of Story Mode, the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. You can support us and gain access to other great exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash g-a-m-e-f-u-l-l-y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Ah! What's, what's happening over there? What's, what's going on? Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. <laughs> My name is David Bell. My name is Tom Ryman. And we just watched Mank. 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 I like, I like Mank. 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 It's Orson Welles. Of course it is. I think it's time we talked. Ready and willing to hunt a great white whale? Just call me Ahab. Tell the story you know. I hear you're hunting dangerous game. This is different. This is about something. I put up with your suicidal drinking, your compulsive gambling, your silly platonic affairs. I gave you a second chance. How wealth and influence can crush a man. Are you hoping I might absolve you of such a personal betrayal? You made yourself court jester. Nobody but nobody makes a monkey out of William Randolph. You pick a fight with Willie, you are finished. Mank. Mr. Mankowitz. This is on the Netflix. It is. It's on the flicks. So if you if you got the flicks, you can uh, watch it. Mm-hmm. This is directed by David Fincher. It sure is. It is written by his father, his late father. Mm-hmm. I watched it in VR. Uh, sure. Yeah. It's like a Netflix, like it, 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 like it, like simulates uh, watching a movie. So like you're sitting on a couch in VR, mm-hmm. watching it. Yeah, sure. So I sat, I sat on my couch in front of my TV. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Uh, put on the VR mm-hmm. to simulate this. Uh, what did you, uh, what did you think of of Mink? Um, I really liked it. Thought it was good. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Me as well. Me I also. Mean, so, uh, what's the what's the backstory here? This is about it's about Herman it's about Herman Mankiewicz, yeah, writing Citizen Kane, which he originally did on contract for the uh, theater. I think that uh, Orson I forget the name of the theater. It's whatever theater he was. Orson Welles was famous for being a part of the Mercury Theater. Yeah, um, and uh, and then uh, after it was written, he was like, you know what? I want the credit. And that, that's, that conflict is actually only about three minutes of the movie. <laughs> I was about to say, my what I had thought this movie was about was that conflict. Mm-hmm. But uh, Orson Welles is not a major character in this film. No, and he only shows up in about three scenes. Um, and when Mank finally tells him, it's like, look, I want credit. They yell at each other for a minute, and then he just relents. He's like, fine, you have the credit. <laughs> just <Right>. leaves. <laughs> It's not really yeah. that big. A, the The film is mostly concerned with the context. Why? Why he wrote Citizen Kane? Yeah, because uh, I, I I haven't seen Citizen Kane in a minute. It's been over a decade. Yeah, I def I watched it with Marina, who has never seen it. Um, and that didn't really affect her enjoyment of the movie. But uh, now we definitely have to watch it. Like you can you cannot have seen Citizen Kane or not have seen it in a long time and still watch this movie and follow it. Yeah. Yeah, um, of course. But but it it helps for context knowing Citizen what it's Kane about, yeah. <laughs> it is 
it's weird because it's considered one of the best movies. Uh, it's also like a, like a takedown. It is. Uh, and so, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting because we, it's seen as like, yeah, uh, somewhat controversial at the time. It was, you know, based off of William Randolph Hearst. Uh, and like, it's someone that we don't really give a shit about anymore. Right. Because it's, you got to remember, like, I think the biggest thing about this movie for me, I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about why, how good it is. Um, yeah. Cause it's great. It's a Fincher movie. Um, but there's a lot, this movie gave me a lot of the context that I just didn't know. Like I knew it was about her. So I was about the end of it. And that's because, you know, the events leading up to the writing of citizen Kane happened damn near a hundred years ago. <laughs> so, right. And so like, we, we, it is long. It, it would be like releasing, um, Fahrenheit nine 11. Uh, it'd be like watching that movie like a hundred years from now or something like yeah. that. Something that's directly related to right. what's going on in the zeitgeist at the time. Like the a, difference being, yeah. Oh, the difference being that Citizen Kane is a more universal story. Yes, yeah. It's uh, a, and, it's King Lear. Yeah, and that's why we look back at that film like this. Mank isn't about why it's good Mm-mm. or like him. Like there's there's these fleeting moments of him being like, it's the best thing I've ever written, and other people being like, yeah, it's the best thing you ever written. But in terms of like talking about the quality of the film that's not really in it they're like yeah of course it's the best thing you ever written but we're all worried <laughs> you yeah, know you're gonna blow yourself up by yeah. putting this movie out there yeah and exactly. he does <laughs> and it it uh, what i really i think my favorite thing about this movie is mank is just a very self-destructive person because when you when you go through the film uh his reasons behind it it's like political anger it's anger at what the principles of what they they did he's yeah he's mad about a couple of things it's he's mad that it, it's in the depression and they didn't vote for upton sinclair who would have uh tried to introduce some socialist policies to help all the people like you know dust bowl people and, and everything the people yeah. who were just fucking devastated during the depression <laughs> This movie is re- is politically relevant without really needing to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it this could have come out at any point. Yeah, it just it just happens to also feel very familiar. And it's uh, also because, yeah. it's it's because he is friends with Hearst, and Hearst it's it really comes to to light. And there, there's this the climax is actually two scenes that it cuts between one in flashback and one in current when he's arguing with Orson Welles. And the flashback one is when he's at a dinner at Hearst's house. Um, it's a, it's a costume party that's circus themed and Hearst, yeah. Hearst is appropriately dressed as the ringleader. Yeah. Um, that was not lost on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, pretty on the nose. Pretty on the nose, David Fincher. Yeah. Um, but during that scene, he, he shows up just fucking housed hilariously just so shit-faced and starts pitching his idea for a movie that is it's a nascent version of citizen kane Mm. um but it's based on the fact that he's friends with hearst and hearst started out as someone who could have been a revolutionary like a, a, a a revolutionary figure like he could have done a lot of good um right and which in, is the yeah and instead he doesn't he goes the opposite way and becomes embedded in, in wealth and power and only is interested in holding on to those things 
and that's Citizen right. Kane. <laughs> right. It's a, it's the, the the fucking sled. It's the sled. Yeah, it's the sled. Uh, it's 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 so it's like it's born more of and at the end of it, his guests leave one by one until it's just Mank and Hurst in there, and Hurst comes up to him and, and to walk him out. Um, and when he comes up to him, like uh, Mank says, that was said more out of sorrow than anger. Yeah. And that's, I think that's like a key component of, because it, it is a takedown, but it's also like a lament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that scene, they make Mank pathetic. I mean, the guests leave one by one, and then very suddenly when he vomits on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a delightful punctuation. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, again, he's he's kind of he's it's weird because he he's a success according to history, but they do that thing where he's just a very sad guy, uh, in the film, and he's just kind of bitter. Yeah, uh, and um, he's a little spiteful. Yeah, he's part of a system that make himself is uh very left wing but he's in an extremely conservative system, you know, Hollywood in the thirties and forties. Yeah. Um, and they're using their considerable wealth and power to thwart, uh, Upton Sinclair and, and, and people like him, you know, this just, you know, they make, they make this propaganda film that one of his friends ends up shooting himself over because he feels so guilty. (laughs) Yeah. The (laughs) values are very quaint in the sense that like, um, make, accidentally suggests propaganda to them yeah <laughs> uh because they they're asking why he hasn't given donations to to fund the the you know the political push against the socialist um and uh, we got we got to mention real quick that upton sinclair he's only in the movie briefly but he is played by bill nye is that bill nye it's the science guy <laughs> that's the science guy <laughs> yep you oh, o- you only got to be saying something you only see what. him from afar that's very funny. It's very strange. No, it makes uh, it makes sense to me if you think about it. Like, yeah, like yeah, think yeah. about the year twenty twenty. <laughs> no, no, that's yeah, that's saying something very yeah. specific. That's yeah. like, uh, oh yeah, we we want someone representing science for this. That's great. Yeah. Um, and so like when he sees the propaganda, and the propaganda is like par for the course now. Yeah, it, it's just uh, a political ad that you would see today. Yeah, and they have some actors in it, and it's devastating. <laughs> he's like, don't do this. You can't do this. And he's devastated that he would be a part of it. And like you said, someone is fucking shoots themselves yeah, over it's, it. Yeah, it's his friend who got to, they got to direct the thing. And so he did right. because he, wanted, he was like an editor for a long time, and they, they gave him the chance to direct it. So he did, and he didn't really think. He's just like, well, I get to direct. And, and when they're, in the scene when they're talking about it, he says to Mank, he's like, well, this isn't going to – nobody's going to believe this, right? And Mank's like, they will believe whatever you put on the screen. Right. <laughs> Particularly – like, they'll believe that, yeah, King Kong is four stories tall and whatnot. Like, they – Yeah. It's uh, – um, you got to remember, this is, there's no TV yet. Um, so this would be, they would just put this in as like a newsreel right, we before the movie. Right, we lied to. Exactly. Uh, so like this would have even, even more devastating of an effect back then because right. if you put it up on screen as a newsreel before a movie, people are just going to think it's true. Right. And you can so. see this as like, I'm sure there were other similar things that happened before this. Of course, of course. But uh, you can they see were, this yeah. as like the road to 
the problems we where we are today you know yeah and they do a couple uh, of why they do mention Goebbels a couple of times yeah that's why mank is he's not wrong he should be this upset um it's just funny watching it now as like a cynical person uh now yeah being like oh just you wait yeah i mean we're 80 years removed from <laughs> yeah, that exactly. this is 80 years in the future i mean yes he is correct that this is very bad <laughs> right i'm wondering if this will actually resonate with people I because know. of the perspective we have now if people don't realize how how horrible it was i i think they will i think that's i think this movie is is directed towards very specific people though yes um yeah. politically and showing like yeah this is this is how it snowballed you know this is the tiny little snowball rolling down the hill uh and like i think a lot of people aren't gonna see uh, how devastating that is and it's again it's because and this film does a good job of it but um there's some stuff it leaves out. It's just because of you have to understand all of the context of the time. Right. And how it just it media wasn't a 24-hour thing back then. Right. So um, yeah, that that's like the meat, right? The meat of the story is Mank starts out as like a in his flashbacks, he's a screenwriter, he gets involved with um you know, Hearst, uh, Hearst and, uh, through, and his through Marion Davies. Yeah. And uh, like is kind of like a friend of the family, and they're friends. Yeah, I, I actually yeah. really, I really liked the friendship between him and Marion Davies. I thought that was oh, I mean, it was great. Amanda Seyfried plays Marion Davies, and she's great in this movie. The conflict they sum it up because yeah, this this is a surprisingly low conflict movie. It really is. Term, yeah. Well, in terms of how the people are interacting, mm -hmm. they're civil, but the, there is big conflict surrounding it. But it, it shows like. Like, like this is the version of events that I also believe more mm -hmm. with this stuff is that whenever we hear about like big beefs between famous people, mm -hmm. it, I feel like it always gets exaggerated for the public, right? Like the part at the end when <laughs> yeah. Orson Welles, he like does a jab at Orson Welles in his acceptance speech. Well, and, and Welles, like, Welles did one at him too. Yeah, exactly. He said he can and kiss my like, half and, he's, and then uh, Manx says, what does he say? The best thing about winning this award, winning a, an award for the screenplay of citizen oh, what was he say the best thing about sharing this award for citizen kane with orson wells is that he wasn't in the room when it was written like something like it's that. something he says he says he accepts the reward like like it was written without orson wells or something like that like because he's a, he's alone right it's, that's right yeah he's, i'll say i'll accept this award the same way that uh, that citizen kane was written with orson wells not in the room that's what he says yeah 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 um <clears throat> It's more of that. Like, that's the beef. It's just them needling each other in public. Like, in private, like we mentioned, it's like a two-minute altercation. Right. And then it ends. I love how it's punctuated with Orson Welles breaking something and him being like, oh, that'd be good for the movie. And Orson Welles is like, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, like they're still thinking about the movie. Yeah. Because that's ultimately, yeah. like, yeah, you know, you can say a lot of things about Orson Welles, but, like, ultimately, like, they're both in the business of they're they're both on the creative side of movie making yeah so they're both thinking about what's going to be best for the movie <laughs> right <laughs> so um, yeah he fucking breaks his case like oh yeah that that, that should happen between uh yeah. between uh uh her and, and kane and in, in act three yeah Morrison's yeah. like yeah it's probably a good idea <laughs> and then he storms out <laughs> that's great but ultimately it's it's about okay it's about someone who 
enters the studio system, or we see him early in the studio system. Yeah, he's been in the studio system. Yeah, yeah, it's a very cynical system. They don't really give a shit. That first discussion of a movie... Where they like throw it to the new guy to like just make and up an it's, ending. It's just like a terrible Frankenstein ripoff too. Yeah, and they keep saying, but it means something. It has a meaning. Uh, and there's always there's all these like empty statements about like you gotta you gotta you gotta write stuff that goes after my heart and 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 all that junk. And they're making just bullshit. Yeah, and it's about someone with like it seems like a history of that finding a story that he actually gives a shit about. Uh. And, yeah. and, uh, and then like finally being like, I re- I want credit for this. It's, yeah. That it's not the, it's the him wanting credit is not the, um, it does not come into play until the, the last struggle. scene. Yeah. No, but it, it is the climax. Cause yeah, that's what it all comes to yeah. is the realization of like, this is too personal. Uh, this is, this is my life's work. I need, I need my name on it. And Orson Welles, when he gets upset. He's not like, again, like you said, like he understands. Yeah. He, he's mad, but he's like, yeah, okay. He's like, fine. Uh, yeah, he, he relents yeah. pretty quickly. He's more pissed that he's breaking contract. Right. And the things they gloss over are like, the actual writing process is fairly anticlimactic. Yeah, we don't really see much of it because it's not... No. We have to see... That's not... Like we said, the movie is not about how good Citizen Kane is, or even really the making of Citizen Kane. It's about the why, uh, right. which I think makes this better for me than most movies about movies. Yes. Because it's not really about the making of a movie at all. That's the, th- that's the thing is that this will probably be nominated, right? It's going to be nominated for a ton uh, of things. Yeah, if it doesn't, They're going to be if it all up on this. If it doesn't win sound design, I'm going to throw somebody out a window. Oh yeah, My, yeah. We haven't even mm, mentioned mm. this whole thing is sort <laughs> not. I won't. I won't say perfectly, but like it's made like an old movie. Yeah, and I would say the cinematography is a little more modern. Mm-hmm. But like it's Fincher. Yeah, yeah. Who? Who? Uh, Eric Messerschmidt. I don't know him. Mm. Uh, let me click on him and see what he filmed. But like the sound design. Um, when I think some of the first lines are delivered by Lily Collins, who plays his. Uh, uh he's dictating the screenplay to her yeah um so he's assistant i guess um but like as soon as that first bit of dialogue comes in it's got that it's got the old timey it's got the old timey tinniness yeah and i think the the difference is they used to record all sound on one via one source i can't remember what produces that sound but um it sounds like the kind of the tinny kind of poppy dialogue in an, in an, in a quality in an old movie and like the whole yeah. film sounds like that and it's amazing <laughs> it's like yeah. how did you do that uh and then the score by uh trent reznor and atticus ross is first it's of all great. i think it's non-stop i don't think there's a single moment in the movie that doesn't have music yeah it's um, very classic hollywood it would have been funny if it was like classic hollywood yeah <laughs> be funny if it was like the social network soundtrack like techno yeah it's all techno like dark it's just yeah. the, it's just the downward spiral <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was so extreme like i knew excuse me i knew they were scoring the movie yeah but i kind of forgot and as i'm watching the opening credits as it's it's the shot of this uh car driving to victorville which is where the movie takes place and is where i currently live yeah yeah <laughs> that must have been a delight that car crash by the way is hilarious it's so good <laughs> they, because yeah the, the beginning of the movie he gets in a car accident and so he's in a cast for making 
Citizen Kane. But again, the car accident also feels like it's not the story. So it's almost like a throwaway gag where the yeah. guy's like reading a letter that someone like a, a woman wrote to him to be like, it, it, do you think she likes me? Yeah, yeah. And, he, and then he's like, he's like, watch the road. And he's like, here, check out the letter. <laughs> and, then they, and then they crash. Yeah. And his his arm is just in a sling, and like yeah. Mank is getting lifted out of the car by a fucking yeah. tow truck. And what does he say? He says something like, "So do you think she likes me?" Something as like, he's it, yeah, he's, he, yeah. He asks him about the letter again as he's getting lifted it, out of the car. It's one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I know this absolutely didn't happen, but I I like how it's being treated. Yeah, because uh, I'm sure, uh, like, I'm sure they just saw like. They looked into his history and it was like, oh, he he had gotten in a car accident. Okay. Yeah. We're like, s- that's it. Somebody else driving or whatever. Yeah. And they make it just a, a delightful car accident. But uh, uh, yeah, what I was going to say is the opening music is so old Hollywood that like when yeah. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's names popped up on screen, I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it really speaks to their talent because mm-hmm. I think... A lot of movies, uh, or a lot of composers, I feel like they sort of um, the, uh, when like uh, the most famous ones, like if you if you have Danny Elfman, right? Uh, they have, you know what you're gonna get. They, John Williams, Hans Zimmer, John they, they have yeah. a thing and they do that thing. Yeah, and it was really cool to see a composer fit the movie instead. Yeah, vi- instead of like, vice versa. Yeah, yeah, and be like, no, we'll we'll do the we'll do the thing you want. Uh, and so yeah, yeah. and it, it was more it, I guess it was more of a surprise for me because the scores uh, for the social network and gone girl are both good but they're also very similar right that's that's yeah that's why it's a surprise because it, it's like oh okay so he wasn't just picking them because they're appropriate mm-hmm. uh, he's just picking them because they're they're good or, yeah yeah it might also be their desire to like do something different too because I'm sure this was a blast to do the score for yeah to come up with old hollywood themes and stuff yeah, yeah it, in general this feels like a blast to act in to to shoot because it's just they're doing old hollywood hollywood stuff but yeah, um, i know i know collider did an interview with amanda seyfried and i know that last dinner scene they filmed for like five days yeah well because he's if David there was Fitch. ever a scene <laughs> if there's ever a scene to film for five days yeah, that's the that one. one yeah yeah but like she had yeah. to she doesn't have any lines in that scene but she has to be there right um because there's a uh, there's a couple of important looks and stuff uh involving her during that sequence yeah but yeah it was kind of funny she's talked about having to do take after take of that scene for an entire <laughs> week and she doesn't have any lines she's just sitting there right but it is important yeah. that's what all right the the couple lost threads um their relationship um the thing that i really loved because you do think there's going to be drama there but there's and not, then they yeah. meet they meet and she's like i read the screenplay and you know she's she said she says like yeah you got some things right about him um and she's talking to him as a friend mm-hmm. and uh, he says something like um if this comes out i'm afraid you won't forgive me and then she says, if it doesn't come out, I'm afraid you won't forgive me. And that's how they kind of end it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, yeah, it's a great like friendship that they establish where like he's writing about something very personal in her life. And, and she- he knows he's he, he she knows he doesn't even have to explain it. He's like, the character in there is not you. Like, it's not you. Uh, it's how the public might perceive you but it's not you. And he doesn't, he barely has to even explain that. Mm-hmm. 
Like yeah, she even she even says I would have loved to play myself ten years ago. Yeah. I like it when movies forego the obvious dramas that could happen. Mm-hmm. And in this case, yeah, it creates a lot a lot of moments and stretches that don't have that much drama uh, because it's not really what the movie's about. No, it was a surprisingly, like we said, it's like a low conflict movie, which is weird to think about when it's a yeah a movie about uh, a, an extremely uh, self destructive man. Well, because it's, <laughs> writing it's so a, writing a, a movie that's um, but it's it's just so focused on what it wants to say mm-hmm. that it didn't need all that. And yeah. going back to it winning awards, like if it had done the obvious thing. It still probably would have been nominated because the Academy Awards love rewarding movies about making movies Mm -hmm. and about white people saving racism. Those two subjects they're really into. Yeah. Solving Uh, racism, not saving it. Saving, solving, whatever. Saving racism. No no difference. (laughs) And those two two words in that context, no difference. Um, Yeah. uh, uh, But what makes this... What makes this, in a way, not a movie about making movies is that all the making movie stuff is treated as like a background joke almost. Uh, It gives you a feel for the mood, but it's really just about an artist finding something that actually matters Mm -hmm. to them for the first time late in their life. Yeah. Not even that. He's that's a that's one thing I can say against the film is that Gary Oldman it's too old, man. He says like I'm 40. Um here I I think Gary um, Oldman's like 65. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean I'm mean, looking at a picture of the real Mank and yeah, he's younger, but like all the drinking I was like sure. <laughs> yeah, sure, that could that could age a guy. I do, uh, all right, I have one criticism of the film. When you use a typewriter and you press enter, mm-hmm. the text doesn't go down, it goes up, right? What? Right? Like when you're typing, right? Yeah. And you hit enter. The text uh-huh. you just typed goes up. Correct. It goes ching up. In this, whenever they do the slug lines to establish the scenes, they hit the enter button and the text goes down in the graphic. Does it? Yeah. I'm sure it looked better and I'm sure they knew this, but like it wouldn't go down. It would go up. I don't. It would go up in the shot. Is that right? I don't think that's right. Why wouldn't it be right? No, I don't. I don't. I don't remember it going down. Oh, I remember it going down because I specifically, it's my only note in the film. Okay. Well, then I'll t- It's just like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it again. I don't know if my brain tricked myself or <laughs> VR things are going in different directions. All I know is I said several times in the film, like, that's not right, is it? <clears throat> the text going down? Uh, obviously, this isn't an actual criticism with the film. Uh, it was a visual choice and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's my only critique of the film. Um, I want to know how much of this, I want to know, because this was written by his dad and his dad's not a screenwriter, is he? No, not that I know of. Maybe he was aspiring. Um, the fact that it was, I mean, I assume he was aspiring considering that he wrote a screenplay. Uh, I think that that's cool. Like that's a cool significance to this film. Oh, he was a screenwriter. Okay. Okay. This was just the thing he couldn't get made. It says... He was a screenwriter and journalist who wrote for mag- magazines and periodicals. He was chief of Life magazine. Oh, he, he wasn't hurt. He wrote a Howard Hughes biopic that got merged into The Aviator. Oof. Um, 
Yeah, and he wrote Mank like a long ass time ago. Like Fincher was gonna make Mank after the game in the nineties. Right. And it just didn't have like he's been trying to get this thing made for a long time. Gary Oldman would have been the right age. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean there's there's a cool like meta uh commentary there. Yeah. I guess. Um also, I don't care that Gary Oldman's too old. He's killing it. He is. It it makes some scenes a little strange. Mm-hmm. Or it gives him a it gives him a, a different context than it maybe is supposed to have. Right, because it feels like he's. It's important to note that yeah, he was younger, and then he just never wrote anything for the rest of his life. It's not like someone who is he. I mean, being sixty isn't too old to write. It's just it's not someone who's at that point in their life. It's two right, points right. in someone's life. In in the flashback scenes in the thirties, like Mank is supposed to be in his thirties. Yeah, it's very funny. Like he wrote Citizen Kane when he was like forty or forty one. Right. They're not even I mean, it just feels like they're just like whatever. Yeah, it's like the always sunny episode when it flashes back to Danny DeVito as a teenager and it's just Danny DeVito in a wig. Yeah. Because yeah, I I I'm sure it was just like look, it's Gary Oldman. He's killing it. Yeah. Uh we'll 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 pretend it's not that. Look at Charles Dance doing an American accent. I've never heard him do an American accent before. Charles Dance, he doesn't he's not in it much as Hearst, but he's great. Yeah. The dinner scene, he's just watching him and smirking. He doesn't. That was great. He doesn't react until the end. That's such a good scene. Because mm-hmm. you have like the uh, Louis Mayer, um, who's played by Arliss Howard, who you may remember gets eaten by tyrannosaurs in The Lost World. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's the Weasley. That is. That is <laughs> he's Hammond's uh, Weasley nephew <laughs> in The what? Lost World. Yeah. That's. Uh, <laughs> He he gets eaten by the baby T Rex while the, the mama T Rex watches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he's the a real. He's the head of well, not the head of. Um, he's one of the people that uh, runs MGM, and he's just this such a Hearst sycophant. Yeah, um, that when Mank is doing his speech, Mayor is the one who's like, "How dare you!" in the blustering and stuff. But Hearst doesn't react the entire speech he just watches him yeah uh and it's a really even though again he doesn't say anything in that scene until the very end when he tells him a story about the organ grinders monkey which was also fucking really kills it um it's a really good performance and it's just him sitting there the implications seem that like he doesn't care that much right like that's the thing is that citizen kane the movie didn't really take him down no it might have pissed him off yeah uh but of course it it's it's forever tied with his name you mm-hmm. know and that's sort of that's part of what the movie's about too is that's the realization when the propaganda where it's like oh yeah it matters the stories we tell matter mm-hmm. and they will actually they don't they don't change the world like it's again it's it's kind of cool because it is it is a movie about making movies and it's a movie it is it is like hollywood kind of patting itself on the back but not really that it's showing just how much the stories we tell matters especially then when people would actually believe stuff um and being able to spin things and just media in general how much that matters mm-hmm. cuz it's him using their weapon against them yeah essentially it's him thinking about how they won this election using these fake newsreels 
And so he's like, well, I don't have my only, the only thing I can do is write. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I'm going to, that's how I that's will, my, yeah. Yeah. How I will fight back. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't make it like, there's no like, there's no like afterthought about like, about how much it took him down or anything like that. Because again, it doesn't feel like the main point. No. Uh, it's just it's it's actually just about this person as a writer. Yeah, and they've they've they do a lot to parallel him with Upton Sinclair, who ultimately never held office, but yeah, the shit he wrote is very important. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's again, it's he he wrote the jungle. He also wrote There Will Be Blood. Really? Yeah, he wrote the book Oil. I think that it's based on. No shit. Mm-hmm. It's weird. But yeah, I think that's that's why this movie doesn't piss me off in that terms because it's it's still it's so focused and it's it's peppered with because one of one of the questions on my mind when I started watching this I was like how is this going to be interesting? Uh I it was a very fleeting question because it was immediately answered with oh the dialogue's delightful. Mm-hmm. And the scenes are just delightful. Like because not that much happens in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but like the scenes where Gary Oldman's just like bedridden, just like sneaking alcohol in, uh <laughs> yeah. dealing with his assistant nurse. Yeah. Uh and and she has the whole thing about her husband in war. Yeah. And they they there's just so you like all the characters, you like the performances, so you're never like I was never bored from this film. No, it's it's a it's an extremely likable movie, which is it's, Which again, low conflict. Low conflict. Not much happening. Yeah, it's like it. it's like unexpectedly light. Mm-hmm. Like there are moments in it where you're like, oh shit, you know? Yeah. Like when his friend it, shoots himself. But um If it wasn't for the cinematography, uh, it wouldn't feel like a Fincher film. And even the cinematography isn't that much of a Fincher film. It's no, because he's doing it deliberately to mimic movies at the time. So it doesn't yes. really feel like a Fincher film. Yeah, it feels like it's weird. Um it feels a little too good. <laughs> um but not that much good, like that much better for films of the time. You know, it's in like widescreen. Um the aspect ratio then was, you know, tighter. Yeah. <laughs> um the some of the shots felt a little too complicated. Um because yeah there's 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 that much more you know yeah yeah i see what you're saying yeah there's a like it's it's little 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 things and i'm sure someone who knows film history better than me might be like no you're wrong i'm more talking about my impression of the film uh it 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 felt like there was like a, a few too many crane shots you know what i mean yeah a few like i don't know it's fine. there's there's one shot where he walks up to uh hearst during the filming of the movie where hearst is on like a little cart uh and then they start mm-hmm. and then they start the the camera kind of goes into place in front of him and then starts tracking them as the as they move towards camera right that's a little more dynamic than things right. at the time of course a movie like say citizen kane had banging banging yeah it's got crazy and so i think it's that's what it was like going for able to yeah yeah it was it, it's it's more like um a movie, a mo- if a movie like this existed back then, I feel like it would be shot in a simpler way. I think that's what it is, mm-hmm. uh, because it's mostly again just people talking in a room. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And of course, like, uh, you can't expect him. He shot this on the Sony Red. Um, you can't expect him to not use the technology of today. I think they did a very good job. Because it is, most of the shots are framed. They remind me of old movies. Uh, stuff like the car accident shot, things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's fucking terrific. Yeah, it's a good-ass movie, man. Yeah, it's a surprisingly, like... I think what also makes it not Fincher-like is it's light, like you said. Yeah, it's it's weird. Emotionally speaking. Yeah, it's like not... Well, that's because his dad wrote it, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's not like devastating or like super dark. Like, like man, like his... If you think the, his last movie was Gone Girl. Right. Um, And Gone Girl's a heavy-ass movie. <laughs> yeah. I love David Fincher, but he makes a lot of weird, stupid bullshit uh, that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah like the fuck is gone girl what the fuck was that that's a good i mean it's a great movie but holy shit yeah it's a bunch of weird stupid bullshit (laughs) (laughs) like i guess what fincher doesn't make dramas really he doesn't make um academy award pictures he makes like cool thrillers he makes them very well Mm -hmm. uh but he doesn't make like movies just about people well no, that's true. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say Benjamin Button, but I was like, that's some fantastical bullshit. That yeah, that that definitely falls no. into the category of weird, stupid bullshit. He makes movies about people who turn out to be imaginary people, <laughs> or people who turn out to be running from aliens. Uh, running from people, aliens. <laughs> well, one alien, just one alien. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or that's, people who are Michael Douglas in the game. People who are Michael Douglas in the game. <laughs> Yeah, people who and fall again, through a skylight into their birthday party. He makes good movies, but they're they're off they're they're often like twisty movies. They're often movies where you're like, like the game is a movie where if you watch it more than once, you're like, I still love this, but this shit doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's he doesn't. I, I'm trying to think of what his uh, like simplest movie is that wasn't this. I guess the Social Network. Probably the Social Network. The Social Network is the most straightforward drama i think right and he still makes them all like he's david fucking fincher yeah um and this is the first time i've seen him be like i'm going to make a very specific type of movie with a very specific style uh it's it's like trent reznor and and what's his face Atticus it's, Ross, it's, yeah. yeah it's the same as the music it's like we all we have a very specific style we're known for we're going to do this other thing that you'd never expect us to do and that's cool. <laughs> and that's cute. It's cool. Like a David Fincher film. Yeah. Like Panic Room. Yeah, he made Panic Room. He did make Panic Room. You know, the last the last David Fincher movie Charles Dance was in before this? Um, Was it Panic Room? It's Alien 3, baby. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> okay, if... All right, all right. If David Fincher it, retires after this, that would be amazing. He's like, I got a dance sandwich. <laughs> And that's all I wanted. It came full circle on dance. That must have been incredible. That's like going back to your high school after your success mm-hmm. and seeing the teachers. Because I'm sure Charles Dance in Alien 3 was like, geez, this poor guy. <laughs> yeah, this is Because that was nightmare. a nightmare to make. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now David Fincher comes back like, yeah, I'm doing Hollywood stuff. <laughs> Serious he stuff. Comes back in the room snapping his fingers. Hmm. <laughs> just this is jazzing his way in there (laughs) some of the stuff they do address in this is like um 
the studio during the depression having uh, no money mm-hmm. and talking about the future of film. And again, it's not celebratory. It it all feels so like vaguely relevant because this is came out on Netflix, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like the future of the film industry currently is in peril. And I don't think he, he meant, or sorry, like film industry as in like big, theatrical releases yes yeah i don't think fincher meant for this movie to be necessarily so relevant i don't know when this went into production but it was probably you know pre-pandemic but i mean we've been talking about all this stuff for a while too july 2019 yeah it just like it works because it all those ideas are floating around in this or that vibe of like golden age of hollywood um you know using communism to scare people away from socialist ideas uh using propaganda in the media uh you know rich people being you know rich people mm-hmm. it's, it's not like it's yeah it's not a flattering uh, view of hollywood n- well yeah not really not and really. it's also it's it's just all like feels relevant but it isn't so on the nose mm-hmm. they they never have like big in your face moments i think there was a there was a couple moments that i was like all right settle down and that was when he was like sitting down he's like i'll tell you that wizard of oz movie sounds like a real flop and it's like all right settle down mank uh, <laughs> and the hitler scene but again yeah, it, it yeah. didn't feel it didn't feel wrong for the time mm-hmm. um like it felt like yeah that would be conversations because they're sitting around talking about hitler as a very inserious person uh, unserious and like yeah uh, about how he's yeah he's not that much of a threat you know and it's like oh geez oh geez um which felt a little bit on the nose a little bit yeah and to the film's credit mank did work on the wizard of oz yeah so it's not it's it, it wasn't just like a random like like the picasso scene in titanic oh my god the picasso <laughs> scene in titanic <laughs> yeah. picasso never heard of him Probably want to be a mount to anything. Mount to looks anything. Right, I'm Billy Zane. <laughs> looks right into the camera. <laughs> I'm Billy Zane. Wrong man, Billy Zane. <laughs> That's what they call me. Billy the yep. incorrect man Zane. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's not a flattering look at Hollywood. It's also not a flattering look at writers, at Mank. Because again, it feels like um, uh, he's not he's not like heroic. He's also not a villain. He's just sort he's, of he's, like bitter and sad. He's mildly heroic in that he's principled. Yes. I think it's the way, it might be the way Gary Oldman plays him and like handles himself. He doesn't, he's like kind of a pathetic, like his posture. Yeah. And like he's, the way he talks to people. He's, and a, like, he's a guy uh, just on, on the, on sort of teetering on the razor's edge of self-defeat. Yeah. And, like, again, it's not like they don't show this, like, big inspirational moments. No. Um, or, like, he's doing it. He's writing it. It's, it's like, a lot of... I loved how they showed the writing process because most of it is them being like, look, you only got, like, 13 more days and you've only written 60 pages. And then hard cut to, wow, you wrote 300 pages in 13 days. And it's like, that's writing. 
Yeah. Like, it's just a lot of people telling him, look, you got to get on this. You got to get on this. And then they just cut over it. And it's like, wow, you did it. Yeah. yeah. You you turned in a fucking 350 page screenplay. Wrote 200 pages last night. Like, it's, it's they show like the procrastination and the alcoholism and that it's just a lot of people bothering him. And he doesn't think of it as anything special until he's written it. And then he's like, I think this might be my best, the best thing I've written. Yeah. Uh, shit. Uh, I found a fun story where the real life Mankiewicz, uh, there were certain kinds, even though he worked during the studio system, which um, if listeners aren't familiar, that is essentially they would just hire a stable of writers and you would just write whatever they gave you to write. Yeah. Um, Mankiewicz, would, there were certain kinds of movies he wouldn't do. Um, <laughs> and they, they gave him a Rin Tin Tin movie, which is the movie, you know, the, the hero dog or whatever. Um, so he wrote a script where the dog, uh, the the end, the movie ends with a house catching on fire and Rin Din Tin carrying a baby inside the flaming house. In inside of it, yeah, he carries a baby into the fire. That sounds delightful. Like he just wrote this fuck you version of a Rin Din Tin screenplay. Oh, that's so good. Because he didn't want to do it. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> I really want to see that movie. Yeah. I want to see that too. Yeah. I just um I just read that the character Rita Alexander, who is um Lily Collins, his assistant. Lily Collins. Yeah, that's who uh wait, Susan Alexander Kane gets her name. In wait. Yeah, in in uh in the movie Citizen Kane, that's where the name came from. Mm-hmm. Which is funny for me because, again, from a writing perspective, he probably just looked up and saw her and he was like, there we go. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, re- like, I really like how unmystical writing is in this. Yeah, exactly. Like in, in the, the first scene he's writing, he's writing about Kane having a memory of being on a boat. And Lily Collins is like, is that, is that from the Mankiewicz vault? Like, meaning, is that your own memory? And he's like, yeah, probably. Like, yeah. it's just, <laughs> it's so... Yeah, you're right. It, it it really is demystifying. <laughs> he's, right. he's just writing. It's not. Like, it's it's not, not tr- yeah, it's not trying to make it uh, this big magical thing that he did. No, he um, just did it. <laughs> yeah, he did it while uh, uh, laying in bed on a farm in Victorville. Yeah, just ye- yelling yelling lines to his uh, assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mank man. Fucking Mank. Mank, bro. Mank. 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 <laughs> who played? Uh, I was going to say who played Citizen Kane. Who played Orson Welles? Um, um, an actor I didn't recognize. We just we just saw him in something. Um, I think his name is Tom. Burke. Tom Burke. Yeah. Oh man, he was. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm not going to let people have to listen to me googling this guy and trying to remember. I don't know, man. He was, he was in a Dragonheart movie and. In 2000. He doesn't have much of it. He was in a movie called Donkey Punch in 2008. Oh, that's too bad. I'm going to go ahead and click on that. (laughs) That's too bad. Oh, no. It's even worse than you think. Um, It looks like a horror film. (laughs) What is this? What's going on? I don't know. Uh, He's he's apparently on the crown. Ah, okay. Donkey Punch is a British horror thriller. Uh, with the with the tagline, this party has gone overboard, with a picture of a 
like a boat engine that's bloody. Huh. It takes place on a uh, on a yacht and involves the sex act called a donkey punch. Uh, and I'm not going to read the synopsis past that because I don't want to. <laughs> that's enough of that's enough of that journey. Anyway, this guy got to play Orson Welles. He sure made. did. Yeah, he's doing good. It's a good Orson Welles. They're not they're not just doing um, you know, an Orson Welles impression. No, although the voice is pretty close, so I, I'm wondering if he's dubbed in some scenes or if he's just really good at doing Orson Welles. I don't know. Um, he's not Vincent D'Onofrio in Ed Wood, although that's terrific. Yeah, and that's being dubbed. <laughs> yeah, that's dubbed by and that's, that's that Vincent D'Onofrio's voice. For people who don't know, in Ed Wood, he briefly appears as Orson Welles, and his voice is dubbed by Maurice LaMarche, who plays the Brain on Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> perfect and the voice the voice he does for the brain is orson welles yeah 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 (laughs) and that's supposed to be a straight-up parody like ed wood is supposed to be that tone yes yeah ed wood is great (laughs) they want orson welles to just be orson welles yeah ed wood is terrific yeah great i feel like ed wood and make are like they're not dissimilar yes they're not not dissimilar (laughs) they they feel i mean it's because they're shot like an old-timey hollywood movie yeah and the it's, and the uh the the lead character is kind of this broken dude who's i don't know they're good yeah they're good films to compare because tim burton is clearly trying to cast aside the tim burton style the way t- david fincher is in this mm-hmm. um to make it old-timey hollywood but i don't think tim burton did it as well i mean edward's a great film well Ed, it edward's feels like a tim burton film edward's too. also he's trying to film it like an edward film yeah that's true that is true <clears throat> Uh, it's one of his best movies. It's such a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway. Mank. Check it out. Uh, check, you check, know, check, check it out. On Netflix. It's, uh, it's surprisingly, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's not intense or it's, or I don't want to say it's low conflict, but it's a easy watch, I guess is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the easiest watch of all the David Fincher films, for sure. Except for Panic Room. But that's just because that movie doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? It's just a thriller. Yeah. You see Jared Leto with cornrows, and mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not going to emotionally commit to any of this. Yeah. The, uh, um, the terrifying villain in that film is Dwight Yoakam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Any final thoughts? No, man. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Yeah. I feel like this podcast was us just talking about how much we liked a movie, but like, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Sure. Uh, uh, you should check out our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. Mm. We have exclusive podcasts like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman and Fox Mulder is a Maniac. That's mm. for $5 a month. You get both of those podcasts a week uh, exclusive on our Patreon. Uh, we have other tiers like one where you watch movies with us every Friday night. Do it. What did we watch? What did we just watch? Well, we watched Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. We sure did. We also that was watched delightful. the Keanu Reeves film Replicas and uh, Less delightful. The Sixth Day starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So like, you know, a bunch of great films. Yeah. Um, equally great films. Yeah. E- equally quality films. Yeah. Um, we also have a store, tpublic.com slash store slash Gamefully Unemployed. We can get t-shirts, masks, mugs, stickers, all kinds of stuff. Check that out uh do it i don't know no i do know you should do you it. should do that that's true yeah i don't know why i, th- I, I walk it is 
don't know why I lost yeah. confidence in myself partway through that sentence. It is important mm-hmm. that you do this thing. It is vitally important. All will be revealed. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a clue. Like in the game, so you go there. Yeah, this this uh, this will end with you falling through a skylight into your own birthday party. 